three, two, one. It's that time of the day. Welcome to the 4th Street Sports Show, an award-winning student podcast covering all things Golden Eagles. And welcome back to 4th Street Sports Show. I'm your host, Dima Mixon, joined by Nathan Lee, Jackson Howell, and Charlie Luttrell on this beautiful Thursday evening as we are recording this. Gentlemen, you know, it's interesting. Last week we did this. You know, we recorded about 4, 4.30, kind of like we're doing now. It's almost 6 right now. But... It's pitch black outside, and mm. how are y'all adjusting to 5.30 darkness? It's weird. I like it in the mornings, but I don't like it at night. Mm. But I'm adjusting. I mean, I want to go to sleep. It's mm. terrible. I hate it. Just stop. Yeah. <laughs> Just stop. It does remind me of Christmas, which we are almost to Christmas. It's oh, my no. favorite no. season. Speaking of Christmas, if we're close to Christmas, that means we're very close to a particular another sport happening. Basketball started last week. Football swinging high going to the end of the season, but... Baseball season, hard to believe, just a couple months away. Southern Miss this morning released their 2023 baseball schedule, uh, loaded with some games. We're fixing to just do a little quick five to ten minutes on baseball, and then we'll talk a little basketball, then we'll talk football, and then we'll talk Prince Pickham later in the show. So that's kind of like your rundown of today's show. Gentlemen, let's start with baseball. Obviously, last year, Southern Miss historic season, right? 47-19, and 19, uh, hosted the, the, re- the conference championship, hosted a regional, hosted a super regional. Very disappointing end to the season, but I don't think anybody, you know, would say that it was a quote-unquote disappointing season, right? You know, they were close to Omaha as we expected them to be. Um, but obviously they just played a very hot team at a wrong time. And I think all of us in here would have said if they would have played anybody else with an Ole Miss, they would have had a probably a good shot to, to, to uh, get to Omaha. They just didn't match up well against Ole Miss, even in the, the, the mid year games, they just didn't match up well. Uh, this season though, new, new, new faces, a lot of new faces, uh, Creek Robertson. He's the signee from Madison central. Then you have Matthew Etzel. You're going to get to know his name real quick. He came from, uh, Texas and, and, and um, he transferred in from PRC. And he has been out of his mind uh, in the fall ball, as we've seen on just on social media. Uh, Tate Parker, he's an outfielder. Um, you'll begin to know his name as well. Graham Crawford and Bryce Fowler, they're both uh, new signees. Then obviously Slade Wilkes and Isaiah Rhodes and Dustin Dickerson. You all know them. Matthew Adams, Reese Ewing, Rodrigo Montenegro. Um, and, I, you know, just a lot of great names on this team. Obviously, one of the things to be concerned about is just the lack of pitching um, just from last season. But I will say just in response to that, that last year coming into the season, right, we all thought that the the pitching might be an issue, and it ended up being the best pitching staff in the country. But, you know, let's just look at this schedule that came out today, starting out the season with um, two, with, you know, seven straight games, uh, opening the season against Liberty, which is probably one of the toughest opening weekends of college baseball in Hattiesburg since probably Mississippi State came in here in 2018. Uh, Jackson, why don't you start us out? Um, what 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 do you what what stands out to you on the schedule, um, especially early? Yeah, I know. Obviously, like football, they're starting out with Liberty. One thing I like uh, looking at is the next home series is against Illinois. They're uh, not one of the top programs in the Big Ten. I think they're kind of middle of the road. But you know, that's a premier conference and a team coming to Hattiesburg. And you know, obviously February twenty eighth early going to Trustmark Park to take on Mississippi State. Then March twenty eighth, a little taste of revenge, uh, 
going against Ole Miss at Trustmark Park. And then you get them again at their house. That is later in the season. March Actually, 7th. earlier in the yeah. season, March 7th, you go to Oxford. Uh, it wouldn't wipe away the heartbreak of last season, but it'd be a nice way to get revenge. That should be a great game. Dallas Baptist at yeah. home. That's probably the biggest non-conference series. Um, then, obviously, the Sun Belt Conference, a lot of new opportunities. You get Georgia Southern. They, That's going to be a huge series. They hosted a Super last yep, year. Did. So, definitely an intriguing schedule that got released today. Yeah, I, I think all of us will be making a trip up there to Oxford for that March 7th game because that's going to be really fun. Uh, Nathan, Charlie, just immediate thoughts on the schedule. Yeah, my, my biggest thing is I want to see how this team competes in the Sun Belt. You know, that's the big question around all these sports at Southern Miss right now is new conference. What's this new competition going to be like? And I'm interested, like you said, Georgia Southern, they've been known to be a, a very good baseball school. You know, there's some really good schools out here that I think that Southern Miss can uh, kind of – you know, build that, you know, build that attrition for, you know, if they get into another regional or super regional and maybe even Omaha again. I think it's an overall competitive schedule, but, you know, just looking at it, CUSA, I think, was a step higher than Sunbelt, but still saying Sunbelt is still respectable. There's only a couple conferences above the Sunbelt and RPI, which one included it was CUSA. But, yeah, like y'all said, Georgia Southern, Texas State, Coastal Carolina. Old Dominion. Yeah, Old Dominion. There's still a lot of good teams, and even Louisiana ended up winning the Mm -hmm. conference tournament. You know, there's going to be a lot of competition in the conference, and I think, as always, they kind of have a nice non-conference schedule. I think of that Illinois uh, matchup kind of like UConn. You know, uh, UConn a couple years ago they had on their slate, and you saw what UConn ended up doing last year. So, you know, this is it's a tough schedule for a reason. And the way they kind of handled it, you know, we were looking at that schedule last year saying early concerns about the pitching staff, and they ended up, you know, handling it pretty well. So I think, as always, uh, they're in for a pretty hard schedule, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, it's cool to see how it's trans- transitioned, right? And so, like, you know, we're not going to talk a lot about baseball because I'm sure closer to the season we'll have a huge preview podcast come out and all that stuff. But, um, but you know, over the, when you see the, the schedule starting to become tougher, it just kind of shows you the, the national progression of how Southern Miss baseball is now a national power. You know, mm-hmm. D1 baseball ranked them in the top 25 mm-hmm. as far as programs in the country, which I, that is a huge step in the right direction for this baseball program. And uh, I think we're really going to know what this baseball team is about with that opening series at Li- with Liberty. Liberty is just a good baseball team. Um, you all mentioned the Dallas Baptist series. Obviously, they got swept last year um, and at Dallas Baptist. That's going to be fun. And then, um, you know, I- I'm looking at that Georgia Southern series. That's going to be just ginormous. And that's in, and that's in Pete Taylor. Um, and then at Old Dominion, that at Old Dominion series, um, Old Dominion almost swept them last year at home. Um, so... Um, that that's going to be cool. They go to Alabama. That'll be a and that's pretty awesome to me. I, I don't think they've been to Tuscaloosa in a while. And then um, South Alabama series at home. So I think what's good for them is outside of the Old Dominion game, right? You know, most of their tougher conference games are at home. Um, so um, that's just my immediate thoughts on the schedule. I will say though, thirty eight um, games at home or, or thirty three games at home, which in the national scheme of things, doesn't help them because, you know, that's going to bring down their RPI just a little bit, especially if they drop a few of them. So that is a bit of a concern. 
But you know, if they if they went out or not went I not I not go undefeated, but um, <laughs> undefeated undefeated, undefeated baseball season. Um, but if they you know do forty seven twenty or whatever they did last year, you know then they'll be fine. But yeah, so that's our just immediate thoughts on the baseball schedule. Drop this morning, get your season tickets. I'm sure they're coming out very soon. Um, so yeah, that's baseball. Let's transition to basketball. Last week. Um, Charlie and I were at both women's and men's games. That wasn't last week. That was on Monday. Um, <laughs> uh, we were at both the women's and the men's game. Women's and and the men both took a while to get going, Charlie. Um, and, and then they kind of found their footing in the second half. Just your overall thoughts on those two contests. Yeah, still don't know much about men's, really. Uh, we, we're still getting to see you know, how they're going to kind of implement all the players they have but what we've seen so far has looked pretty well uh good but on the other side I think there is concerns for the Lady Eagles just because of the injuries they have uh there was another game that they could have lost really against William Carey a lot closer than they wanted it to be uh the you know final score won't show that but Dominique Davis without her you know they lose that game and that's probably that's something McNellis has said they've got to have uh, Davis and Grayson if Grayson's healthy she was out in that game but they've got to have both of them error free to be able to win these games so I wouldn't be surprised to kind of see some struggles early on for the Lady Eagles yeah I I was you know there with Charlie um Nathan Jackson you weren't there so I don't know how much comments y'all have but um you know I, I would say that um you know for the women's like Charlie said it was very very slow going and they kind of just pulled away late and uh, we'll see how that you know, goes for the next couple games. I thought the men looked great. Took them a while to get their shots going down. But, I mean, Charlie, you know, if they would have had their shots going down in the first half, they may have won that game by way more than they did. Yeah. I I thought Austin Crowley, we had talked about him. Mm -hmm. I thought he really kind of pulled forward. And still, I think they've got some room for improvement. I think Felipe Hase can get more involved in the inside still. But just seeing him kind of distribute, you know, the ball as a, you know, big, that's pretty neat to see. And I think they have a unique kind of mix of talent as we're talking about. Yep. So it's both both teams winning. William Carey, both winning over William Carey. Uh, men's basketball is back in action tomorrow night at Vanderbilt. I'm actually very interested wow. to see that game. game. Very interesting game. Vanderbilt lost their opener to Memphis. So Man, we were uh, – I was just going to say, I didn't know uh, – we were talking – Andrew and I were talking to Jason Mons yesterday who covers Memphis. You know, he saw uh, Vanderbilt the other day. Vanderbilt doesn't have AC in their stadium. What? Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) They don't have, like, traditional air conditioning. So that's actually a factor of the game. (laughs) I'm like, what? Y'all got to look at the uh, stadium they're playing, and it's really interesting. It's got, like, a raised court, too. Uh, <laughs> just random fact. It is an interesting place to go play. They might, know, they might have corrected this recently, but I don't remember Syracuse having AC in their dome either, and that's actually like a premier basketball. Yeah. Game. You ain't kidding. This place definitely is uh, something else. Yeah, so something to watch. <laughs> I think it's going to be an interesting game, though. It reminds me of when I used to play basketball. Did you know uh, I used to uh, play basketball? Oh, no, no idea. <laughs> well, when I used to play basketball, we would uh, – <laughs> <laughs> we, we would um. What in the world is this gym? It's gonna be like it's gonna be the LeBron uh, game. What was it, five or six against the Spurs, where he had to be carried off when there's no air conditioning. <laughs> it looks like they're playing in a cathedral. I mean, what is that? Um, but anyways, uh, when I used to play basketball, we went to up to Meridian, and we literally played in a barn, and there was mold growing out of the toilet, and we were like in in 
you know, inhaling just mold and stuff. They were walking across the court, Nathan, with like air for breeze. Oh my goodness. And just spraying like mouse crap and everything. It was so bad. We found like bats in the locker room. (laughs) What? It was something else. So I don't think anybody's ever played in that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Let's transition to football. (laughs) Um, Southern Miss at Coastal this weekend. Uh, Guys, last week, we, they got killed. You know, Georgia State. 42-14 42-14 to 14 over Southern Miss last weekend. Uh, a result that none of us predicted, obviously, as we said on the field in the postgame video. But also, I don't really think anybody saw that coming. I mean, you know, even even if Georgia State wins that game, you know, I, nobody had him just flattening Southern Miss. Just y'all, obviously, we don't want to hone in on, you know, Georgia State talk too much. But Nathan and Jackson, you know, and Charlie just – what do you think, you know, what, what do you think the response from the team is right now, especially Monday when they come in and just getting flattened like that? That's one of those games, you know, uh, for a person like me that's never been in a locker room, I don't know how you respond after that. But I think the best thing they can do is just, I know it's hard, but you just put put it away. Throw it in the garbage can. Don't look back at it. It's almost one of those games you don't even watch the film, I think. You know, uh, they didn't do anything good, really. I mean, early on, you got punched in the mouth, and they did not respond well. And uh, that's one thing with this Southern Miss team I've noticed is, you know, they can't, they have to almost play perfect to win, you know. And if they don't start perfect early on or start very well early on, they're going to have a tough time in the game. And what Georgia State did, they came out ready, and they came out and played a perfect first half and put the put the game out of, out of reach early on. And that was just – that was something I noticed. But, uh, yeah, I think you just got to put it in the back of your mind here and uh, move on to uh, Coastal Carolina. I'm going to quote the great Rocky Balboa. It's not mm. about how hard you can hit – about how hard you can get hit and keep moving mm. forward. And Southern Miss got hit pretty hard last week mm. and going into a tough matchup with Coastal. It's going to be interesting how they rebound. Obviously, it's more of a national stage. I know ESPNU isn't maybe the most accessible channel, but it's more accessible than ESPN+. Plus. So there will be an audience there. Uh, it's interesting how they respond. A bigger opponent. You would think they would play up to that, especially with Grayson McCall being injured which i'm sure we'll get to um so going against a backup quarterback you would expect that southern miss will rise to the occasion and at least field a competitive team yeah southern miss i think can win without being perfect they showed us they can do that for what two three weeks in a row when they won while losing the turnover battle Mm -hmm. they find ways to get it done and I don't know, you know, this is a really tough matchup. It doesn't get any easier after this week either. Uh, playing against South Alabama, and you kind of look, you're one win away from bowl eligibility. But, you know, I liked what Dalen Gill said. I think he said, we needed this, which was yeah. pretty, you know, pretty badass, I'm going to say that. <laughs> no, no, I agree. That, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Because it felt like it was like, we were here last week, right? And we were talking about bowling, and we were like, you know, when was they last could win was, out. You know, yeah, we said that. You know? Yeah, they could win. Like it was almost like everybody got so excited. And I said, like, how I remember saying on the podcast, it also talk, it also comes down to how they deal with the success because mm. we have not seen them deal with success before, and they dealt with success by getting run off the field on their own turf. You know, so I think it was almost like a reality check for them. Mm. And I really liked what Charlie said, like Dalen Gill's quote at the end, at, in the post game press conference was really, really important. Let's talk about Coastal Carolina. Obviously, Grayson McCall out. Probably the biggest news of the week. 
came right before Jackson interviewed Will Hall. So, um, Jackson, just what, what was Will Hall's response to that, and what, what do you think it, it it means for the game? Obviously, it's the biggest factor. So it actually came out right after. So I asked him, because we knew Grayson McCall was banged up, but we didn't know exactly to what degree. So I asked him if it would affect his preparation. He said no, because he saw the backup quarterback play against Appalachian State, and he said that they're still going to run the Coastal Carolina offense. However, this guy, uh, Bryce Carpenter, Mm -hmm. uh, he seems to be more of a running quarterback, right? Uh, Last week against App State, he had one pass. It was a 31-yard touchdown, but he also ran eight times, so he seems to be more of a running quarterback, especially this year. He has five games of action where really he's run most of the time, and we've seen that Southern Miss has struggled with the running quarterback. Saw it last week with Darren Granger and then Keaton Salter in week one against Liberty. He really diced them up with it. So going to be interesting to see maybe if Austin Armstrong brings a spy this week because they say it's the same preparation, but you obviously have to account for the mobile ability of Carpenter. Yeah, and I was looking at him. The key difference, I think, from Granger, Salter, and Carpenter is that this guy, they use him in different packages, like design runs. So I kind of think of what, you know, Hall did with Low or Keys. So I think Granger and Salter are more of scramblers, kind of extending the play, which, you know, there's already more space in those that kind of context. Um, so, but still, you know, that's the only two real running quarterbacks Southern Miss has gone off of. I think this guy might be comparable to what Michael Pratt did, and Michael Pratt did have some some success running on the ground. I think he got around fifty yards. So, I mean, that was the game last week, though. So, you know, Coastal's looking at it and definitely going to go. This guy's run twenty one times, you know, in the last two games. Yeah, I mean, we asked Will Hall. Um, <laughs> like on Tuesday, I'm getting all my days mixed up this week for some reason. But um, you know, on Tuesday, and I was like, you know, how, how do you game plan for a running quarterback? Like, what what was going into that preparation? Because we knew coming in, we said on the podcast last week, if they can't guard the running quarterback, you know, then they're not. They're that's going to be tough. Over 150 yards, and he said it's just we just didn't tackle that good. And I and I don't know if that was the exact reason, Nathan. You know, yeah. um. And if you're going to have a guy that you know is going to run the ball, they knew Granger was going to run the ball last week. Mm-hmm. They were not scared of Granger's arm. Mm-hmm. And he still had over 150 50 yards. Yeah, I think it was scheme. Uh, Georgia State's just scheme was just smart. How they kind of – they would spread out the defense and then they would run it up the middle mm-hmm. and keep – and then they would just kind of just – it was a just a mixture of ways to get the ball on the outside and then hit them on the inside when they weren't ready. Um, and that's what really got them, you know. And like we said, we literally – like Dima just said, we said if they can't stop the running quarterback, it could be a long day, and that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you expect them to be able to learn from that. That might be the only thing they do watch on film is f- finding a way to stop a running quarterback. Um, I do look at the stats right here. Coast Carolina runs the ball for 174 yards, not nearly as effective as Georgia State, but that's still very, very impressive. Um, Georgia's, Georgia State's in the top. Um, almost top five, I think, in rushing in the country. So, you know, that's still a big thing in Coastal's uh, offense. So they're going to have to find a way. Let's talk about Coastal Carolina's uh, supporting cast. Charlie, I think you have some numbers there from the wide receiver running back room. Um, What what do they like to do 
kind of there, obviously, 8-1, and one, one of the best offenses in the Sun Belt. Yeah, so this will be, you know, the highest scoring offense Southern Miss has faced in the conference so far. They're averaging 32 points per game, 440 yards per game. And, you know, obviously a lot of the success comes from McCall. But this is an offense that their their nickname is Team C- uh I'm messing it up. Team Teal Six, which is pretty wow, cool. That's pretty kinda, cool that nickname. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, they're pretty lethal in that context. Not just because of McCall, but their supporting cast. I'll talk about the receiving first. Sam Pickney is a guy on national award list. He's got 50 catches, a 700 yards, and two touchdowns. And they got another deep threat kind of guy, Jared Brown, who has five touchdowns with the nearly as same amount of yards on only 39 catches and they like to involve some tight ends you know last year they had Isaiah Likely a guy now in the NFL so they have a lot of receiving threats and then rushing like Nathan was talking about they've had a lot of injuries in the running back room I think like four or five Mm -hmm. injuries but there's some guys coming back I think Reese uh, White is one of their main backs who is kind of getting back to speed but otherwise, one of their other guys, C.J. Beasley, who is getting the main kind of carry uh, carries, he's kind of been slowed down to a little bit. But kind of seeing some of the guys that have been injured getting back into it, you know, this is still going to be an offense that is still lethal. How much do you think, you know, the last time, how much do you think that a backup quarterback against this Southern Miss defense plays a role in this game on Saturday? I think having a defense like Southern Miss is a a defense that knows who they are. I know what happened last week, but they know who they are and what they can do to teams. It helps. But the one kryptonite, and we've said it a thousand times today, is that running quarterback. And I just want to see improvement. Have they figured out a scheme to slow that down? Because they have not been able to do that this season. If last week hadn't happened, I feel like all four of us would feel pretty confident and Southern Miss's defense's chances against a backup quarterback. But seeing how bad they got punched in the mouth last week, they couldn't tackle well, but it also wasn't an amazing scheme either against a running quarterback. It really concerns you, right, for Southern Miss's defense. And we know how talented Coastal Carolina's coaching staff is and how the system they've implemented works over the three-year span, and they're just a winning program. So it'll be interesting to see if Southern Miss can rise to the occasion and make the backup quarterback look like a backup quarterback. You know, I feel like, you know, in response to those two two comments, you know, I I really think the defense being motivated is honestly going to take a big role in today's game. They felt like they were embarrassed last week, guys, right? They felt... We just said it in the post game. They said we we just got punched in the mouth, and the defense, you know, it it nuked it nuked their numbers. Like they were like top twenty five in the country, and after Saturday, they're like fifty, you know, now. And so, um, I really think this week could be like a hey, this is still the Southern Miss defense that we're used to seeing. Um, you know, I don't know if that's gonna, you know, carry on a victory or whatever, but. I think that, and Charlie, you can comment on this too, the motivation of the defense is honestly going to take a big role in Saturday's game. Yeah, I think the defense, But prior to last week, you know, for the last couple, uh, even stretching into last year, you know, it's kept them in games. And last week, you know, that wasn't the case. And the result was the biggest blowout. 
Uh, there's been cases where the defense has kind of gotten worn out, but nothing like that from where they're getting beat, you know, right from the jump. So them being in the game, of course, in any context, not only coastal, but moving, looking forward to South Alabama is going to be the key. And that's, you know, the key to how they'll be able to you know, become bowl eligible. The defense has carried them really to this point. Coastal Carolina wanting, not wanting, having their senior night on Saturday. So it is the seniors last game in Conway. Um, I feel like that that's probably going to make a little bit of a difference. What do you all think about that? I definitely think so. For me personally, they're going to be motivated to go win that game at home. And, uh, well, it's actually good thing that the storm that's in the area is actually going to be out of the way. Yeah, Saturday. It's not going to be effective. Yeah, Saturday, it's no. actually like raining, storming right now as we're recording this. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at the weather and it's rain. Tornado. Watch. Yeah. Rain <laughs> oh, will man. not be a problem this week. It was last week <laughs> or wind. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about coastal's defense. Um, So Coastal's defense is allowing 27.3 points per game and just, um, you know, only, I have to be reading this wrong, 65 yards rushing per game? That can't be right. No. I don't think that's right, but um, <laughs> no, no, that, no, definitely no, not. After not really. old no, Dominion, no. yeah, I was like, it's impossible. Um, then I don't know how. I got the stats right here. Oh, you got the stats. Yeah, yes. maybe you, I'm I'm a ding dong, so you no, read off the stats. No so worries. I, I'm looking at this. I'm going, what this can't because this has 108 <laughs> yards passing per game. I'm no, that's definitely. I don't know that. where you're getting those sources. <laughs> this is from the official Coast of Carolina news. website. Yeah, so that, these that's guys. probably the reason it's wrong. Propaganda. No, they are allowing. Total 408 total yards, and they're at allowing 274 passing yards and 134 rushing yards a game. So that's that, that defense is nothing special. That's the flip side of this game, you know? Yeah, we didn't even that talk about side. that. Well, the flip side of this game right now is we don't know who's going to start at quarterback. What's mm-hmm. new? Zach mm-hmm. Wilkie, Trey Lowe, and Jake Ling all listed as the first spot on the depth chart. As it says, when it says or, that means they're all number one. They don't. They're not. It's basically a game time decision. Just give your quick prediction. Who's going to start a quarterback? This will play into my uh, bowl prediction. Trey Low. This will actually play into my bowl prediction as well. <laughs> we saw him at practice take a majority of the snaps. First team. It's Trey Low. Man, my bowl prediction has to do with Trey Lowe, too. <laughs> we might all have the bowl prediction. I'm going to go Frank Gore Jr. It's going to take the I first think it's now. still bold, though, because, I mean, obviously we know we're not going to see as much super back. I don't think that would be smart to go against Coastal Carolina with that as your main plan. And I don't think it's that smart in this point of the season to kind of do what Hall is saying, three quarterbacks. I think it's just kind of a uh, – Play like I think we'll see a guy taking the majority of the snaps, and I think that's what we should see. Yeah, no, I, I'm actually going to agree with you. I, I saw on Tuesday we saw Trey Lowe taking a majority of the one snaps, and I would not be shocked if he trot, trots on out there for the opening start. Um, it looked like on the depth chart, Jacarius Gaston, they're expecting him to be back this week, but he was still labeled as an or. How do you think that Southern Miss should go forward with that? Because to me, it's felt like Mims has gotten a lot more touches with the ball than Caston was, even when he was in the lineup. How are they going to split those um, th- those receptions up? 
Well, I don't even know who Lowe likes to throw to yet. Right. Really yeah, the, no, that's, that's a big all factor. About, yeah, it's all about who he feel, feels comfortable with. And if he feels comfortable with a certain guy, I promise that's who he's going to go with. All I got to say, though, you got to get both of those guys the ball. Yeah. Mims is explosive. He can change the game in an instant. We know what casting can do when he's getting the amount of touches that he can get in the game. So whatever it is, you got to find a way, I think, to have both of them on the field on, in certain points of the game. Well, I still have reservations about if casting is truly healthy. Mm. Or not? Uh, I saw him at yesterday's practice. His right hamstring was heavily taped, and the second half of practice, you know, instead of running routes with his team, he was off to the side running and stretching his hamstring out. So I'm of the opinion that he might not even play, and if he does, it'll only be a limited amount of snaps. So I feel like when he's truly healthy, they'll try and work both Caston and Mims both in because they're two die type. Each of them, pardon, are too dynamic to leave off the field on a passing down. Yeah, Janari Dean also not listed on the depth chart. We saw him last Saturday on the field. He was not dressed out. It does not appear he will travel with the team uh, this weekend <clears throat> to Conway. Um, and it looked like, uh, I can't remember who, who who's listed second string. Kenyon Clay. Yes. Kenyon Clay. Okay, so we, we, okay. we'll probably see Kenyon get some, get some reps there running the ball. They're definitely going to try to establish the run, I, I assume, um, with Coastal Carolina allowing a lot of rushing yards. One thing that I think is going to be interesting... The last time Southern Miss had a team where the linebacker play for Coastal Carolina is a, is a question, right? The last time that happened, you know, UL, that was one of the ways that UL was um, a little bit, Southern Miss had a, a slight advantage, you know, 30, 24 points or 27 points or whatever it was um, at halftime. So maybe this is one of those weeks where Southern Miss explodes on offense. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Uh, very tough, tough and tall task this weekend in Conway. Gentlemen, do you have anything else on Coastal Carolina Southern Miss? We'll say a lot of their games have been closer. You know, you Mm -hmm. look at their record, obviously, but a lot of these games have been close. All right. Well, they have been close, and we'll see if we pick a close game here in just a moment. So that is our preview, baseball, basketball lookout, and football preview. We'll be right back on 4th Street with our game picks and bold predictions for Coastal Carolina and Southern Miss this Saturday in Conway. This is the 4th Street Sports Show on Southern Miss Radio. Welcome back to 4th Street. Ready for bold predictions. Southern Miss and Coastal Carolina this weekend in Conway, South Carolina. 6.30 kickoff on ESPNU. Nathan, start us out. What are you thinking bold? I got you here. Let me get you right here. We're going to get our first 275-yard passing game since Northwestern State. And that is going to be by Trey Lowe, and that will be enough to earn him the starting quarterback position for the rest of the season. And my bold prediction is that the defense comes back a little bit in full form. Obviously, we lost the great David Eckert to Oxford, and one of his kind of shining moments was the Dominic Wewan story about his streak of snap, uh, sacks. So I think since the streak was broken last week, I think Dominic's going to come back with a vengeance with three sacks against Coastal Carolina's backup quarterback. I like it. I like it. But I'm going to play with Nathan's numbers a little bit. I'm going a little spicy, not bold, but extra spicy. I got Trey Lowe, the third. We're going to throw up some threes here. He's going to get the start at quarterback from the third string to the first string. He's going to throw three touchdowns and 300 yards against Coastal Carolina. That 
is pretty bold. <laughs> I am not going to go quarterback or defense. I'm going to go wide receiver because I haven't done a wide receiver bold prediction in a while. Um, you know, no receiver has gotten over 107 yards receiving this year, I don't think. Um, Joe Jason Brownlee had 107 against uh, Tulane, I think. Or I don't know who it was against. But regardless, nobody's gotten over 107. I'm going to go 150 for Ty Mims this weekend. Whoa. I think that Southern Miss can challenge the slot. The last time I picked this was at Troy, and I said Jacarius Casting would go for 175, and he had like one reception. So hopefully this is a little bit better than that. But I think Ty Mims is going to get a lot of a lot of touches. Whoever's a quarterback, they're going to throw to the slot a lot, in my opinion. 150-plus yards for Ty Mims. And those are our bold predictions for Southern Miss Coastal Carolina here on 4th Street. And now time for game picks. Southern Miss Coastal Carolina. The line right now has dropped exceptionally. Opened as a Coastal was 14-point favorites. Coastal is now minus 5. So they're 5-point favorites. The over-under is 49 uh, 6.30 p.m. on ESPNU. Nathan, give us your game pick for Coastal Carolina Southern Miss. I think this might be the first time I'm picking against Southern Miss all season. Um, sadly, I don't think the Eagles get it done. I think they go back-to-back losses here. Um, tough. I think they play hard. I think they prove that they're a good team in the Sun Belt uh, out there uh, in Carolina and uh, fall short late in that fourth quarter. Uh, they're going to lose 30-20. to 20. Yeah, this is just a tough matchup. Coastal Carolina, you know, they wear their tight-fitting jeans down there in Conway. So it's going to be a tough matchup, even against the backup quarterback. Uh, I think the Chanticleers win 31-17. to I always thought it was the Chanticleers until this week. Mm. It's Don't Chant- say that to it's them. It's the Chanticleers, yeah. Got it right. Yeah, you did get it right. Um, I mean, they're going to be on the teal field. <laughs> I think the all-white will look real nice. I think they're going to go into Conway with some swagger and, you know, keep the game close. Like I said, Coastal's had a lot of close games. But just looking at it, you know, Coastal's one of the winningest non-Power uh, 5 teams over the last couple of years. Like, only lost a handful, couple of games. And even without McCall, Bryce Car- Carpenter is still a skilled guy. He's been there since 2018. He knows the program. And I think, you know, that still gives Coastal the edge in this matchup. I've got them winning 31-21. to 21. So everybody has Coastal covering um, the spread, minus five. Um, I'm going to go, they're going to cover the spread, but barely. I think Coastal wins. I think that... I think the factor here that nobody's really talking about, um, Coastal Carolina's senior night is this week, and I really think that that is a big factor. I don't. I just think it's hard to go on on the road at night to the best, pretty much the best team in the Sun Belt, and beat them on their home field on senior night. That's a tall task, regardless of how good Southern Miss is. That's still a tall task, even if last week wouldn't have happened. I would have still picked them to lose this game. You know, I think they have a better shot at winning this game than I thought. On Monday, before Grayson McCall's injury, um, but I think that you know Coastal is leading for most of the game. But Southern Miss's defense, like we said previously on this podcast, they're rising up and they're kind of wanting their their flow back. So I feel like they hold them down a little bit. I think Coastal Carolina kicks a field goal late to push the lead out of reach. So I have Coastal winning twenty six to sixteen, and that's under uh, the forty twenty six to seventeen. Excuse me. So that's under the forty nine. Um, and those are game picks for Coastal Carolina and Southern Miss. Mo Dogs, that's really what it is, bro. This is 4th Street, and we got Mo Dogs on 88.5 this year.
Back on 4th Street with Prince Pickham here in Nathan's beautiful apartment here on this Thursday evening. Let's go over the standings. I am still in first place with 160 points. Nathan, you're not that far behind at 152 points. Jackson's right there behind Nathan at 151. Charlie, you're not far behind Jackson at 147. Austin's a little bit down there at 133. Um, he's sitting in his picks just for the sake of time. We're not going to uh, mention them just because we try to want to get through with this and get this edited and out to y'all tomorrow morning. Um, so we'll just roll right through this. Um, really fun. It's kind of hard to believe we're already on week 11 here with Prince Pickham. Um, getting interesting. Didn't have a good week last week. And uh, believe it or not, Charlie, you actually had the best week out of anybody last week, wow. and you're still in third place. So that's tough. Nathan, you had a really good week, too. But uh, let's, um, let's start with up north, Ole Miss, number 11 in the country, facing number nine, Alabama. Alabama is an 11-point favorite. The over-under is set at 64.5. Let's go Nathan Jackson, Charlie. All right, yeah, this is a, it's a tough game. You know, you never want to play Alabama uh, after a loss. But uh, and I've never seen Alabama, you know, like you said, not have something to fight for, you know. So uh, it's an interesting game. Uh, it's hard to ever pick against Alabama, and I just can't do it, especially after the loss, like I just said. So I think Alabama gets the job done. I think it's a hard fought game for about two to three quarters, but Alabama just proves they have the better skill set uh, as a team. So I got Bama winning thirty-eight to twenty-six, which that means Bama's covering. And that is the under by .5, actually. There we go. Hey, cash in. Hey, cash it in. Yeah, so the last time that Alabama played at Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, he schemed nearly a perfect game plan, right, offensively. The only difference in the game was that Alabama stopped Ole Miss like two or three times, and Ole Miss didn't stop Alabama a single time, but... With this, the way this season's gone, I don't think Ole Miss's offense is nearly that good. I think they've kind of outkicked their coverage in terms of how they've performed versus what their team really is. I think they've had some favorable matchups, and really their only tough matchup was against that one team, and that's the one team that Alabama just lost to, and Ole Miss lost to that one team pretty big. So you don't want to play Alabama after a loss. I think Alabama wins, but I'm going to pick Ole Miss to cover. It's 41-31, to and that's over. Yeah, I mean, you never kind of want to pick against Alabama, like y'all said. After they lost, they're still a great team. Nick Saban, whatever. You know, they're talented, and I think Ole Miss number 11 still is a little high considering their last couple of games. So I've got Alabama uh, covering and under, though, with 34-21. I'm near Charlie. I think, you know, I think it takes a great quarterback to beat Alabama, right? And like I don't I don't know if I can sit here and think that Jackson Dart is gonna beat Alabama on Saturday, right? Jaden Daniels and Hendon Hooker, you know, two very, very talented quarterbacks that that made plays in both those games to elevate their team to win to beat Alabama. And, you know, Bryce Young, he's a he's a playmaker. We've said this every week we've picked an Alabama game. Jameer Gibbs, game changer, man. He's unstoppable, it seems, you know. And so uh, and I think that that's just going to be too much for Ole Miss. Ole Miss's defense is just not that good, and I think this is the best team they're going to play so far um, outside of LSU. So let's go with uh, – I'm going to pick Alabama to win, but I will pick Ole Miss to cover just because they still are playing for something, and it's at home. So Alabama 34-26, and that's under the 64-and-a-half. So – you know, we pick to top 25 games every single week, right? And it's cool that we get a group of five top 25 matchup. So um, number 23, UCF at number 17, Tulane. Tulane is a 
point a, a point and a half point favorite. The over under is at fifty four point five. You know, it's funny, Nathan. I think Tulane has a loss. They do, don't Who, they? I can't remember. I think that's those yeah. Eagles, huh? Oh, oh, that's right. Someone must beat them. That's right. My bad. Okay. They well, <laughs> they mentioned us on the ranking show actually as the yeah. only team that beat them. So there we go. Fun. Um, are you picking Tulane to lose? I actually am going to pick Tulane to lose wow. this game. Um, it was this was just a fun game to pick. You know, I'm going to be watching this game just just for it. You know, this pretty much wins the American Conference. It's a it's a big time game for college football. You want to see who the best team is in that conference, and I think UCF has just got a little bit more. You know, I don't know why I'm picking them. This is really just a toss up for me. I just I've liked UCF. I like their players. Uh, their backup quarterback came in last game after John Rice <laughs> went down and. Bald. I mean, that guy went crazy. So they've got talent behind John. Uh, so I think UCF gets the job done. 29-27, UCF covers, and that is also the over. Yeah, another great matchup. Uh, I know a lot of people, uh, a certain member of the Southern Miss media in the press box was hoping this would be a game day, but it was not to be. But still, it's the best team from Florida and the best team from Louisiana going head-to-head. So Obviously, Gus Malzahn, UCF's head coach, he's keeping it close to the vest on who he's going with at quarterback. John Rice Plumley should be back, but like you said, the backup balled last week. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, but I've got the Knights of UCF winning and covering 23-20, to 20, and that's over. Wow. Or under, excuse me. Yeah, I was like, that's under. Wow. I mean, I think this is going to be the most hyped matchup in New Orleans in a long time. First ranked ranked matchup since 1949. College game day should have been there, Jackson. I'll just Honestly, say that. Should have. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing. Yeah, yeah. Where is it? Is it Texas? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Austin again. So, I, I think the coming green, up in a minute. <laughs> I think the Green Wave. They're going to be ready to kind of make a statement. When uh, I think this is their season, so I got them winning 31 to 27. Just over and covers. You know, this was my upset pick, and I thought that like I would be the only person picking UCF, but I guess not. I guess everybody's with me on this, except for Charlie. Yeah, I think that UCF has a better team talented on offense, and I don't think Tulane has seen this talent on offense this season. And how does the team respond to hype, I think, is a question. And UCF welcomed in Cincinnati last week at home, or two weeks ago, whenever it was. Maybe it was last I can't remember. But they welcomed in Cincinnati in one of the biggest games, and they responded to that hype. And they were they seen a big game like this before. I think they go to the they go to Tulane. They win. I like UCF's kicker. He took over, and the reason I looked at this because I think it's gonna be a field goal game. I think it's really a toss up. But he took over in week two, okay, and he's been perfect. He has not missed a field goal since week two. Wow! So I think he kicks the game winner. His name is Colton Boomer. Boomer, 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 booming a kick to Ooh. beat Tulane thirty one twenty eight, and that is over. 54 and a half. Let's go to Pac-12 after dark. Number 25, Washington at number six, Oregon. Washington with Indiana transfer Michael, Michael Penix, Penix Jr. Uh, as quarterback. Oregon is a 13 and a half point favorite. The over-under is crazy, 72 and a half. Are you going to pick the over, Nathan? That's a crazy, <laughs> crazy over-under, and I am not going to pick the over in this one. Uh, I like Penix. I've always liked him even when he was with Indiana, but I just think this is a game where Oregon proves they're the best in the Pac-12, and I think they do it in pretty dominant fashion, in my opinion. I think Oregon gets the big-time win they've been looking for in, in their conference, and they win 37-21 to Oregon covers, and that, like I just said, is the under. 
Yeah, Washington's kind of a team that nobody's really talking about in the mm. Pac-12. Obviously, they have two losses, but one of those was to UCLA, who is obviously a lot better now than they were at the time of the game, at least in terms of recognition. Uh, you know, Oregon, number six in the nation, their only blemish was that trouncing defeat uh, week one against Georgia, but since then, they've been lights out and... They're saying old Bo Picks might even be a Heisman candidate. <laughs> yeah, he might be out there in New York. It's hard to disagree with. He should definitely get an invitation based on how he's playing. <laughs> but the over-under at 72.5 in the Pac-12, you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. I'm taking the over. Ooh, I, I think Washington covers, though. It's 42-34. to 34. Man. What the Just um, over. So no more slander on Bo Picks. Well, I, I'll refer to him as Bo Nix from here on. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he he's been solid, really solid. I think Oregon. You know, after that first week, I was doubting them, but you know they've looked really good since then. I've got them winning thirty four twenty three, so that's under, and uh, not with the fourteen uh, differential. Yeah, so Washington with the points. Yeah, you know, I think this is the best defense Oregon's played all season. I think Washington's got a great defense, and I think that's going to – that's why I think the over-under is like an easy point for an under, honestly. And, you know, maybe you do have a lot of high scoring, but Washington is not that high scoring as a team. They kind of rely on their defense. Um, so I think they'll hold Oregon down, but not enough. I mean, it's at Oregon, but I am going to take them to cover. So 38-28, and that's under the 72.5. Let's go to where college gaming is at, where we just referred – TCU in the playoff rankings, uh, number four. So they're squeezing in the playoff rankings. Obviously, it doesn't matter for another three weeks. But at Texas, number 18. And Texas is a seven-point favorite. And the over-under is 65. Yeah, I think it's a little wild. Texas is that kind of that big of a favorite. But... I think that Texas gets the job done. I think TCU's uh, fairy tale season finally comes to an end. They've had a lot of close games. It's going to be another one, but I just think Texas and Quinn Ewers is just a little too much for that TCU defense. I think this honestly comes down to whoever has the ball last. Um, uh, this game is just one of those those games where the offenses are just so prolific. I mean, TCU's offense is so fun to watch. So, but I think Texas, like I said, gets the job done. 38-34 TCU covers, and that is the over. Yeah, this one's kind of a curious one. Texas seven-point favorites with three losses. Mm. Uh, I know it's at home, and it's going to be a great atmosphere. Game day is going to be there. But it's just kind of interesting. They're favored over number four TCU, who really all they've done all season is win. Uh, but historically, at least recent history, Texas has a tendency to lose these type of big games, and people are riding off the Horn Frogs. But they ain't right back. I'm picking the TCU Horn Frogs. They're going to go into Austin and escape with a victory, thirty-three to thirty-one. That's under. Give me the Toads too. I, I got the Toads. I like to call them Toads. They're going to win this game. I think it's going to be a close game, though. I really like Texas and what they've been able to do, but um. I, you know, I'm going with the other horns. Yeah, horns down and horn frogs up 32 to 30, and that's under. You know, there's a lot of times where I feel a team is going to blow out an opponent, and this is that time. Mm-hmm. I think Texas is going to blow out TCU wow. at home. It's a night game. It's like the first night game, primetime game in Texas in a long time, honestly. 
And I think their defense rises to the occasion. B. John Robinson is running like the best back in the He's country so right good. now. He is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He's definitely the best back TCU's faced in that defense. Mm-hmm. Quinn Ewers will be slinging the ball around. I have give me give me horns up big forty two to ten, and that's over. Wow. Sorry, no, that's not over. I have it is over, so I don't know what I'm forty two seventeen. Whatever gets the over, I'm I'm picking the over forty two seventeen. So. I don't think that's the over. 42-24. I don't know. Just give me the over. <laughs> but um, <laughs> So Texas with the points, but I'm picking the over. 42-24. Um, and I think they're going to win by more than that. So let's go to the game. Another game up north. Number one, Georgia at Mississippi State. Kind of feels like a trap game. You know, Georgia, you know, destroys Tennessee, like I predicted last week, by the way, I just want to point that out. But also, I tell you, when I feel a blowout coming, I predict it, and I'm sometimes right. I was right last week. So, um, does it, it, it feels like a trap game. Am, am I crazy to think State has a shot? I don't think State has a shot, but I think State comes out and plays as good as they possibly can against this Georgia team. Georgia is just so good, and that's all I can say about Georgia. You know, the offense is better than last year's offense. Maybe the defense isn't as talented as last year's defense, but, man, they are. it feels like they're just as good. And uh, and they lost their defensive coordinator to Oregon, you know. So the, 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 it's, it's the era where Georgia is in, you know, instead of rebuild, they just, you know, they just restock. You know, that's, this is what they do. They're not, they're not, they're not going away anyone, anytime soon. I think Georgia is the best team in the country, and I think they prove that. Might be fun for about a quarter or two, but I think Georgia gets the job done. 41 to 20, Georgia covers, and that is the over. Yeah, Georgia and Mississippi State. I think the Bulldogs win this one. I guess I'll elaborate <laughs> yeah. a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> I think this is going to be kind of an ugly game. Uh, Georgia coming off the high of uh, the Tennessee victory. I don't think it's like a trap game, so to speak. They might play a little bit less than what they have been. Uh, Mississippi State, they're scrappy, so they'll keep it close. Uh, I think Mississippi State wins with the points, but I have Georgia winning 31-17, to and that's under. Okay. Well, State almost choked against Auburn, so give me Georgia by 30, 52-21. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with Jackson. I think this game actually might be interesting, and I just think it just feels like a trap game, but... I think Georgia is they're like Nathan said they're just they're 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 a good team. I mean you got it. They're just a great team, and they kind of reminded everybody last week that they're a great team. I think Stetson Bennett is honestly really over underrated. But thank you. Yeah, people clowned me on the on, on Instagram for saying he's a really good quarterback. Yeah. He's a good quarterback. He's a mailman. He's the mailman. Mailman. Yeah. So I'm going to take 37-19 Georgia. So that's Georgia with the points, and that's over fifty five and a half. Let's go Sun Belt. ULM at Georgia State. Georgia State obviously coming off of a Shell shocking of the team we cover. Uh, minus 13 and a half. So now the odds makers are all in Georgia State. Uh, over under 58 and a half. Yeah, I would have probably picked them no matter what had happened last week. But I think Georgia State comes out. Plays very good. But I think there might be a little bit of a high uh, after that Southern Miss win. And I think ULM plays a good game. I think uh, they, they keep it close. But I think Georgia State is going to get that slight cover at the end with like maybe a game. A, a field goal like with the last two minutes. So I got them winning 31-17 Georgia State covers, and that is the under. Yeah, if you look at ULM's schedule, if this was at home, 
I might have picked the Warhawks to win, but they've really struggled on the road this year. And Georgia State, they're they're kind of doing what they did last year, right? Start off pretty bad and then get hot late in the season. They were seven and five last year. They could be even better this year. Um, actually, no, if they went out, they're seven and five. But either way, they're playing really good. That's my point, and I think they win and cover. Good pick, Nathan. Georgia State, thirty-four to twenty. That's under. Uh, Georgia State has won the last four of their five, so I think they've been pretty high for the last couple of weeks. So I don't see why they can't pull away with this. I got Georgia State 35-21, which is uh, I think still under. Yeah, still under. Yeah, I'm on the pretty much the exact same boat as you, Charlie. I think Georgia State wins. It felt like last week was a must win for them to get to bowl eligibility, and this week is just almost like a given to me. 37-20. And that's under, and that's them with the points. So, James Madison at ODU. James Madison is actually an eight-point favorite, and the over-under is 46-and-a-half. That's a low over-under. Mm-hmm. That It is a, a low over-under, but I think it's pretty solid where it's at. And I do think that eight points is kind of a, is a lot, I think. So, I think uh, ODU covers in this one, uh, but they don't get the job done. James Madison wins this one 23-21. Like I said, ODU covers, and that is the under. Yeah, this is kind of a, a a matchup of struggling teams, right? James Madison, they got off to that hot start. They've actually lost three straight games. Uh, I think this is definitely a get-back game for them. Outside of the game where they shockingly demolished Coastal Carolina, they really haven't been that good. Uh, so I think the Dukes of James Madison, they win 31-21. That's over, and then James Madison covers. I still even think, though, that Old Dominion, you know, since Coastal hasn't won games, just the way they've been able to compete this season is impressive. So I, I still like James Madison, though. Um, I mean, I thought I had the upset of the week last week. It was 10-10 at halftime <laughs> against yeah. Louisville. Mm-hmm. So I, I, James Madison is still a good team. I got them winning this 23-13. Uh, to 13 which is them covering and under. So for Georgia, I mean, not Georgia State, for Old Dominion to, to get to bowl eligibility, they're going to have to win out because they're three and six. Um, but unfortunately for them, South Alabama and App State are on the docket oh, the next geez. two weeks, both on the road. That's terrible. So wow. I feel like, you know, you kind of look at that and you're like, dag. But, um, but anyways, I think James Madison goes into Norfolk, Virginia and gets the job done 31 to 22. And that's over. 46 and a half, and that's James Madison with the points. App State at Marshall, probably the toughest Sunbelt game we pick. I don't I know why. I, I literally flipped a coin, and that's who I picked, and I picked them to win by one point. So, um, App State minus one, over-unders 47 and a half. Nathan, who are you picking? I disagree. I think I, 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 I'm not on this Marshall thing. I, I, I've seen them play good games, and I've seen them play bad games, and I just don't think they're there. Um, I think App State um, has been a disappointment this year, but uh, I think App State comes in and proves it big time uh, that they're just a better team, and I'm and like I said, I'm not high on Marshall, so I got App State winning 32-20. to 20. Yeah, that is, I'm sorry, that's App State cover and the over, sorry. Uh, yes, thank you, Nathan. Um Marshall, they just really play an ugly brand of football, right? Like, they play defense. They're always in low-scoring games. They just beat Old Dominion 12 to nothing uh, last week. I think it was Old Dominion last week. Uh, so, the one point 
uh, spread I think is appropriate. You got App State five and four. Their season hasn't gone the way they would expect, especially after going to College Station and beating Texas A and M. So I think they come out and get a gutsy victory here, twenty four to twenty one. That's under. Wait, wait, who you got? I've got App State. Ah, uh, y- y'all are hating on Marshall, man. You are. I'm a hater. Call me that. I'm I'm picking Marshall here. I don't know. I look at the last couple games. Coastal held them to 24, even though you know they had a fast start to that game, and really their defense kind of kept them in that game last week. Shut out Old Dominion, and App State's not even using their best player right now. I, I don't know if y'all have seen that. Yeah. That's oh, yeah, kind of that's wild. And, but Marshall is using their best player heavily. They're giving him around. He's going to run the ball 25-plus times a game. And, I mean, I think Marshall gets this. I think it will be close, though, but 23-20. Marshall, thundering herd. I just told y'all I flipped a coin on this one, and that's who I picked by one point, and it was Marshall. So, Marshall 25-24, and that's over the 47 that's and a half. Push. One. No, because App State's cup favored. Oh. So I'm taking Marshall with the points. Yeah. I'm a doofus. Yeah. <laughs> 47 and a half. That's over, though. So let's go Texas State at South Alabama. We can probably do a quick pick for this one. <laughs> South Alabama, 16 and a half point favorites, and the over-under is 47 and a half. I'm just kidding. I was going to say, I was going to just say Texas State, but I'm going to go South Al. Uh, on if you would have picked Texas State, I would have thrown you off. No, but I actually do think Texas State covers in this game. Puts a little bit of doubt into this team before they come and visit. Do you the mean the team that Eagles. got minus six rushing yards against Slurman? I don't care what you're okay. talking no, about over there. You don't care about Slurman uh, morning? Uh, I, I don't care. I don't care what he's saying over there. I think <laughs> that they cover this one and they get a you know a gutsy little performance that, that can, uh, you know. I'll show uh, you gutsy. You, get, you, you done? You done? <laughs> Would you like to elaborate? I'll just get my pick out. South Alabama wins 35-21. to 21. That's a Texas State cover and the over. Yeah, this game will not be gutsy, unlike whatever Dean was referencing. <laughs> uh, this is the same point I made about ULM. Texas State, they've been good at home, but they have not been good on the road. This game in Mobile. So I'm going to take the Jaguars to cover 34-17, to 17, and that's over. Oh, man. I wish I could be gutsy here, but no, nah, I'm going South Al 34-14, to 14, which is over, and that has South Alabama covering. Well, it's kind of funny because I talked about gutsy, and I'm actually going to pick Texas State to win. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I wish I could have just That's seen Nathan's just face. Got. We're out here clowning them, but watch, like, watch them win. Oh, y'all should have just seen. I know this is a podcast, and so you should have just seen Nathan's face. But no, no, absolutely not. 35-13 South Alabama. They roll them. That's over the 47 and a half. I think this is a pretty easy over, honestly. I think mm-hmm. I think everybody picked the over. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it's a pretty pretty easy over. But uh, 35-13. And that will conclude Prince Pickham. For this week 11 matchup of games. Um, Good podcast. Obviously, we talked about basketball. We talked about baseball. We talked about football. And we'll be gearing up for you uh, Saturday night. Coastal Carolina Southern Miss at 6.30 on ESPNU. We will not be making the trip, unfortunately, to Conway, South Carolina. But we will be watching the game and tweeting about the game. And at least some of us will be. But, um... Yeah, we'll be watching the game, and we'll have you all of our thoughts on Monday afternoon at 5 p.m. on 88.5 for our radio show on 
WSM, uh, four streets. So I'll be looking for that. And, but for now though, that is our Prince Pickham pot and preview pot. So for Nathan Lee, for Jackson Howell, and for Charlie Luttrell, I'm Diva Mixon, and that was the 4th Street Sports Three, Show. Three, two, one. This has been the 4th Street Sports Show. Tune in next Monday at 5.